Welcome back to Previous on Lost, everybody. This is episode number 66 here on sometime in March. Oh, welcome to March. March 1st, y'all. And uh, we are going to be talking about the episode of Lost, D.O.C. And uh, I'm pretty excited about this. And we'll talk about what D.O.C. actually means here in just a second. But before we do, uh, I want to introduce, I am Mike. I'm one of your hosts. And the other two hosts I have with me are say hello to the people who are running through the woods, pulling branches out of people. My other two co-hosts, Corey and Steven. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I feel like I got a, a branch punctured in my lung. <laughs> <laughs> There's um probably need somebody to come give you a hand on that one, buddy. I don't know what to do on that one. Uh, well, good. I'm, I'm glad to be talking some Lost, and uh, we're excited about that. Check out all of our social media places. You guys know where they are. We've been there before. We've talked about it before. But we are part of the RetroZap network, and uh, we look forward to many more posts. We're coming. We are fast approaching the end of Season 3. Matter of fact, uh, in about two months, we will be done with Season 3. And we will be moving towards season four, so I am uh, pretty pretty excited. We're we're over ha- we're just over halfway there. We're, we're we're making it through the show eventually, and um, but we're having a good time doing it. But we're not talking about the end. We're talking about right here in the middle. So with all that being said, Stephen, why don't you tell us a little bit about the episode D O C? All right. So this was episode eighteen of season three. First aired April 25th, 2007, written by or directed by Frederick E.O. Toy and written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Um, Juliet invites Sun al- along at night to su- submit to a medical ultrasound examination in a facility of the others hidden in an old Dharma station to determine the date of conception of the fetus. Juliet discloses that all women that became pregnant on the island had died driving Sun to a dilemma about who could be the father of the baby. Sun recalls when she was blackmailed by a mysterious woman about the origins of Jen and his impoverished background. Meanwhile, in the jungle, Desmond, Charlie, Jen, and Hurley capture Mikhail, the mysterious Russian man presumed dead, and he makes an offer. He could heal the wounded woman named Naomi who parachuted onto the island via helicopter if they release him after the conclusion of the medical procedures. All right. Um, a little bit of episode facts about what's going on here. This episode. This is the last episode that is centric that is centric solely to Sun. Sun will later have flashes, but there will be multi-centric episodes or episodes that were shared with Jen. In case y'all didn't know that. Uh, this is the last episode to feature off-island eight fifteen uh, flight eight fifteen survivor flashbacks, typical to the first season three seasons of the show. Oh, I know this is the last. <laughs> I I don't know why I feel almost like randomly emotional. They're like, this is, we're on the we're we're headed to the back half. You know, this is where it starts this is it. to. 
I mean, the next move in a different direction. Let's see. The next episode is 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 a lock one. So you're going to see, you know, what took place while everything else is going on here. What he's going through. The next one is Ben, and um, and then you're moving into to to almost the end of the sh- end of the episode end of the season. So yeah, flash forward. So this is uh, <clears throat> this is it. This is it. Um, the title for this episode stands for Date of Conception. I thought this was a Jack episode there. I thought they were just talking about the doc. And you know what? For a long time, I always kept thinking about whenever we <laughs> would talk about this episode, I was like, oh, that's that's, all my, that's a Jack episode. And and I finally realized, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've never heard someone say that before. That's actually pretty funny. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> um Last one here is, uh, after Mikael treats Naomi's injury, she speaks to him in Portuguese. Desmond asks what she says, and he lies to them, saying that she thanked him for helping her. What she actually said was, I am not going to quote this Portuguese, but what she actually said was, I am not alone. I am not alone. Yeah, it was pretty obvious that he was lying about that. He lied about everything. I don't speak Portuguese, but I know some Spanish. And I have tried to communicate with someone in Portuguese with, with Spanish before. And that was definitely not thank you. That didn't sound anything like thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what thank you is in, in Portuguese exactly, but uh, that wasn't I it. feel like it might be kind of close to gracias, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah, not. All right, Corey. So uh, tell okay. us a little bit about how long we've been on the island and what happened last time on on the island. Oh, yes. So according to Lostpedia and our counter, which I believe is totally accurate, um, this covers days 85 and 86 on the island. Now, if you're watching, if you just watch this episode, uh, you'll say, well, Juliet said 90 days. I'm guessing the explanation there is that Juliet is giving a... Um, you know, she's rounding up. Yeah. <clears throat> she says, you crashed your 90 days. Because <clears throat> I thought when I watched it, like, oh, it must be exactly 90 days. And then I looked here. <clears throat> excuse me. But we know there's many lost mathematicians that have painstakingly calculated these things <laughs> so that we can nerd out on it uh, as we watch the series. <laughs> so, yeah. But when you think about it, uh, they, I mean, the course of actual lost time, they get off the island, I think, on day 108. So, and it's just interesting as you watch the show and you realize how time kind of slows down for a while when they're like, oh, Jack was with the others for a week. They say that in this episode. That was only one week, you know? (laughs) And took half the season. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anyways, so previously on Lost, Desmond, Charlie, Hurley, and Jin see a helicopter in the sky. Desmond uncovers the parachute parachutist's um, uh, face. Oh, uncovers her, yeah, takes the helmet off. And realize, realizes it's not Penny. <clears throat> Sun uh, sleeps with Jai Lee, uh, if you don't remember that. And then uh, Dr. Kim says uh, that the chances of conceiving are impossible um, because of Jin. And Sun finds out that she's pregnant. So, catching us up on that uh, Sun and Jin storyline. That's right. 
All right, so let's uh, let's talk about there's there's three storylines that kind of took place in this episode. Uh, one of them, of course, was the flashbacks, and then we started talking, about, and then we have you know the beach and the staff crew, and then we talked about, and then we were kind of at the uh, Naomi's landing site with uh, Mikhail and all them. So, uh, which one do y'all want to start with first to discuss the uh, which which storyline do y'all want to go through first? Well, let's let's start off with the flashbacks. All right, let's talk about sons. Let's talk about sons' flashbacks. Then, um, it's nice to see Jen and Son so happy in the past. It makes you ever wonder what the crap happened at the beginning of the show <laughs> <laughs> when you see them so happy. Well, yeah, this was a good flashback. I thought it was, it was one of their better ones. Yeah, th- their story is just such a roller coaster, and y- yeah, it, t- it takes you just kind of seeing things from all different angles that we hadn't seen before in this episode. I thought really added a lot to it. Um, you know, obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about it where we find out kind of how Jen came to work for her father. Um, and that you know, that was a pretty big, you know, big turning point there. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's cool about this episode is I'm not going to say it like retroactively cha- changes. I mean, I mean, it kind of does. Um, but they <clears throat> they do a really good job. This is kind of like the final piece of of the Jin and Son backstory. I think. <clears throat> I mean, I think there's going to be a little bit more, but this really like ties it together in such a good way because we, I mean, we've had some issues with some of their flashbacks, you know, it's kind of rough seeing uh, son cheat on um, Jen. It's rough seeing Jen be just a complete, you know, jerk to her and, and uh, become a pretty, <clears throat> pretty hard dude when working for uh, son's son's dad. But this episode does a great job of, of basically giving us the missing link. And it's a cool twist because it shows, okay, Jin <clears throat> lied about his father's death, which is a um, pretty bad, <laughs> bad thing to do. However, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Um, son's family is so, you know, stuck up or whatever that she, that she wouldn't be allowed to marry a fisherman's son. So not a great look for them either. And then <clears throat> getting this this bribe or, uh, you know, whatever blackmail thing from Jin's mother, it totally sets up son as the cause for Jin having to go down that dark path. So like all the stuff we saw from Jin's very first flashback, this like gives us the reasoning behind, Mm -hmm. you know, what he ends up doing. And, you know, I'm not going to blame son because son is in a tough spot here she's kind of between a rock and a hard place and there is definitely um some cultural um uh implications here in this in this episode in like <clears throat> how to broach um this this idea of shame and you know i don't really know much about south korea personally but it's like the word shame is used like 10 15 times in this flashback 
and yeah. it's obviously a big deal. And um, she's trying to, you know, salvage his reputation without completely, you know, embarrassing him and all this stuff. So, know, what, what do you guys think about her decision to take the money from her dad? I mean, because it also, I mean, you don't, Mister Pike, he's a, he's a bad dude. You don't want to be in debt <laughs> to him. <clears throat> Even a hundred thousand dollars, ten thousand, whatever it is, you don't want to be in debt to that guy. <laughs> Mr. Pike is awful. He, you know, he's one of the worst characters on this show. Just as far as, you know, just being a good dude, he is not a good dude. But and I love the son standing up to her, up to him. Scene. I, yeah. I, I know we see we see more of it in the future. You know, spoiler alert when we get off the island. Um, but. That part of Sun, I really enjoy, you know, and, and I thought the way she came at him in, in this episode was great. You know, the whole, you know, I, I pretend to not know what you do and I'll continue pretending if you give me this money. So I actually really like that whole part. The only thing I would say is I just I feel like she, you know, she kind of gave in a little bit there where she should have when he said he was going to when he said he was going to, you know, that would be her husband's. Um, you know, debt to pay. She knew she may not have known exactly what that meant, but she knew there was it was nothing good. So I kind of felt like she should have maybe gone a little bit further or even lied to him. We've seen that son doesn't mind lying. She could have said it's not for my husband. She could have said it was for anybody. She could have just refused to tell him. But um, I feel like she had to know something bad was going to come from that when her father said that. And I kind of think she should have fought a little harder to keep that from happening. So I, I, I do think that um, the reason Jen is like the way he is, I do think some of the, I do think a lot of the reason does fall on Sun, whether she did it intentionally or ignorantly. And when I say ignorantly, I'm not saying just because, you know, she did just to just because of Spiden, but whether she realized how far down he was going to go or not, she was the catalyst that kind of moved him that 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 direction, whether she meant to or not. Now, my question to you two would be, do you think she was motivated by her own selfish pride to take the money or go to him? Or was it to truly protect Jen? Because was she wanted to protect Jen or protect her image at this point that she was married to a fisherman? I think she did it to protect Jen, actually. And, um, I, the reason I say that is because of the scene with her and, um, <clears throat> his father, you know, it's, you know, son, despite growing up as, you know, the daughter of basically a mob boss in this crime family, I think she knows that Jin is not some like, you know, amazing, you know, a guy from some sort of amazing family you know wealthy family or anything like that because i mean he starts off he's what like the hotel uh whatever and he's like a waiter and it's not like he's he's doing very glamorous stuff you know i would argue that being a fisherman is is uh, a hell of a lot better than being a hotel clerk or a waiter uh no offense to anybody in the service industry but you know fisherman that's a tough job and that's uh put food on the table for people but apparently it's shameful and so I think she's just doing it to protect Jin in his honor. And, and uh, because she seems really to enjoy meeting um, 
his dad. And I think that his dad, Stephen, wouldn't you say he's he's one of your uh, favorite characters? He, he is probably my favorite character on this show. Him and Mr. Echo are a, are a close mm-hmm. tie. And we, you know, we only see, I think this is one of only two times we see Mr. Kwan on the show. And he is just such a great character. I just wish we had more of him. But it it's it's heartbreaking the story and we find out more about it this episode you know we already knew that you know his his son had kind of you know deny or you know i don't know what the word, word is but you know said basically said he was dead you know and I, mm-hmm. I don't know if he knew that but he he knew that he was embarrassed by where he had come from and you know we still see him giving his son good when his son came to see him in the the earlier time we we met him. He still gave his son good advice. You know, he still loved him. And now we see even the story's even a little bit more tragic in that he doesn't even know for sure Jen is his son, like by blood. He's his son, but yeah, you know, he doesn't know for sure if he's actually the father of, of Jen. And he still, you know, raised him, loved him, took care of him, and then gets, you know, basically, you know, he, his son tells his wife that he's dead. I mean, it's heart, it's heartbreaking what does, but he's, it almost seems like he understands it again. Maybe this is a cultural thing that I just don't get, (laughs) but it's so hard to see, but he just, it, in every situation that he is put in and just horrible situations, he just shows the utmost class and grace. And just the way he treated son, this episode, it, I mean, it was awesome. And when you, yeah, sorry to interrupt. So when you look at this show, all these characters are, you know, lost, quote unquote, right? Uh, And have all these problems. This is a guy who's definitely not lost, Mr. Kwan. This is a guy who who's at peace with with his life, and he's showing unconditional love for his son, and wants his son to to be happy, and is is thrilled to see his son's wife and uh, um, to know that they're happy together. And it's really heartwarming. It is. Um, yeah, I would say it's, it's tough for, for, for son and Jin because I mean, when you look at it, yeah, when you son of a fisherman, um, not considered, you know, in the high class. <clears throat> and then on top of that, son of a prostitute that's kind of like the you know double uh you know double slap double the face there. yeah yeah and so if, if mr my understanding if mr pike ever found out that his daughter was married to not only the son of a fisherman but also the son of a prostitute like he would be you are not having his baby you know this is you know you know jen is gonna wake up in whatever the equivalent of the east river is in south, south korea <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, so I, I understand what what son did. I I do. It does. It's just it's painful to know that she couldn't just tell him the truth. But <clears throat> you kind of understand, and you have to. What's great about this episode is you're watching it and you see some of the trouble they had in the past, but you know like how much like love they share like now together and 
So it, it, it really works well. <clears throat> the last little bit I was going to mention from the flashback was you kind of, you get to see this, this um, ruthless side to sun a little bit. And it definitely foreshadows maybe um, <clears throat> some of what she's going to do in season four when it seems like she, you know, starts to embrace kind of this, like, you know what? I am a powerful um, woman and I, I can, you know, maybe I don't want to be a crime boss like my dad, but I could push some people around if I have to. The way she marches into her dad's office and does that. And then the way she threatens Jen's mom at the end too, you know, Bro, Both, she uh, gets, she gets ruthless next season. Yeah. I'm like, I want to see the spinoff, like a mob show about <laughs> son or, you know, with the Yunjin Kim, you know, see her, like she's, Sopranos, so like, she's, she's, she's the head of all the crime families <laughs> in Korea. <laughs> That'd be the spinoff right there. Oh, that's funny. Um, so what? Uh, anything else about Sun's Flash? I mean, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, I would just say, uh, be careful about marrying into a crime family. You know, it just seems like it backfires yeah. on a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of any other show that I've seen Yun Jin Kim in. Um, okay, so she um, she was a very big. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's a very big star in South Korea. I have seen actually a couple movies um, yeah. that she was in. She, were, had, uh, she hadn't really been in anything over here besides Lost. Well, I know no. af- after Lost, she was on a show. I think it was called Mistresses for a while. It had a Whoa. an ensemble cast with a lot of ladies and. I did, I did watch, you know, maybe the first few episodes of that, and it was, it was pretty decent, but I think it had a pretty pretty good run here. For, I think it was on for a few years. Yeah, I think I saw Sherry. I think that's the movie, one of the movies she's known for. I saw yeah. that. And she, she, hasn't, she hasn't really played in much. She, um, she started acting late um, in her career. Um, it looks like when I'm seeing her in filmography, she started in... 1999 and she was born in 73 so she she started late and she was she's only been in about 12 different 10 12 different things um and they're all movies except for loss is the only tv show she's been in so she's um she's content doing whatever she does she she doesn't i guess she doesn't have to act all the time oh, but so I, she's I, in mrs ms ma the tv series <laughs> i i do think it's kind of interesting too that uh she had she tried out for the part of Kate um, and they ended up creating the role of son for her because they liked her so much, even though they didn't cast her as Kate. And I think it would have been kind of interesting to see her in that Kate role. I mean, obviously it might've been a little bit different, but hmm. I was thought that was kind of a fun story. Well, you see this side of her, this forceful side of her in this episode. And honestly, like this episode, it's good. It's not like there's like amazing, like thrilling things in this episode. Um, but she gives such a solid performance. Um, <clears throat> and when she's actually being a little more forceful and, you know, kind of pushing Juliet around a little bit and, and doing her thing, you realize like she could definitely do a lot more dramatically in, in the show. I, you know, sometimes it's a bummer. She doesn't like have all that much to do. 
and she's kind of sidelined as well. She's not one of the action characters, so you know. But I mean, she actually has been an action star and like other stuff she's been in. But um, <clears throat> anyways, so I mean, I, it would be interesting to like you know parallel universe seeing her as Kate because I could see mm. her being that kind of like criminal on the run uh, character. I could see um, that too. So, but yeah, she does a really good job with this episode. Her performance, I think, really carries uh, that other storyline. Well, speaking of her and Juliet, let's uh, let's move to the next storyline then. With uh, we're talking about the people at the beach and uh, Juliet's son at the staff. So, um, where do we want to kind of start at this one? I mean, there's not much I, happened at the beach. It was it was mainly just just you know Juliet says, "Oh, I can I can help and." And that's pretty much where we go. And son tells her, you're going to help me. Well, I was going to say, it starts off, it's kind of interesting. It starts with Jack. Um, and this is kind of the beginning of this distrust, distrusting of Jack's story, which doesn't really last all that long. We had a few episodes um, of this. <clears throat> and Jack's asking some questions about the pregnancy. Then Kate, I mean, Kate just totally slips up. Um, this is like Hagrid in Harry Potter where he like accidentally blurts something out. She's like, oh yeah, uh, actually Juliet, you know, was, she just, I don't know exactly what she says, but she just makes the whole situation seem super sketchy by talking about Juliet as the, um, you know, fertility doctor. And, and I mean, it's all truth, but the way she <laughs> says it, uh, it actually causes son to really distrust Jack now. Um, which is kind of, you know, sad because like they've always had such a good, good bond. But anyways, so son, you know, is, is, is drawn to asking some tough questions to Juliet. She kind of probes her and then actually decides to, to take her up on, on trying to get some information. So, hmm. I mean, what do you guys think? It went from like, I don't trust you at all, Juliet to like, all right, we're going to go together to go check this stuff out. So. Yeah. As I, I appreciated how, you know, how son did just, you know, have no fear on going to approach her about it. And yeah, it was kind of a, you know, a change through the course of the episode, a kind of a gradual trust being earned <laughs> by Juliet from son. And then, you know, and then kind of the way, Obviously, the story ended, which we'll get to that kind of, you know, makes you question what you saw. You know, it's like so she, she's earning trust, but then we kind of find out that it's a bit of a lie, even though there was a lot of truth in what Juliet was telling her the whole time. That was a no, listen, that that was a powerful moment at the end with Juliet um, and then their voice in the voice recorder. Um. I do think Juliet genuinely wanted to help Son. I, I don't think there was a. I don't think there was anything in Juliet's mind like I'm going to experiment on this girl. I'm going to make sure. I think she genuinely cared about her because of the fact that she had lost what she say four, four, 14 women previously. I think it was nine. I think Not, okay. Something I was thinking fourteen, and and course i had put i had such high hopes when i first saw this episode that she was when she spoke into the recorder but as i've watched over the last few years and gone back i feel like her line about hating ben 
is because I think she's starting to have empathy for the group. And she's and she's starting to realize, I guess in a way, what she had, what they had done to her, or they had done to the group. But at the same time, she feels sorry for Son. She feels empathy for Son, who's now carrying this child and does doesn't want to lose Son. So, yeah, well, I was gonna say uh, really quickly that scene with uh, Juliet at the end is, I feel it's kind of like a, uh, what do they call it? It's like a Rorschach test for how you feel about Juliet. If you distrust her, you're going to take away from that, that she's definitely not trustworthy. But if you believe that she, you know, is um, leaving the others uh, for uh, greener pastures, then you're like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Or she could still just be on the fence. Or she could just still be on the fence and doesn't know which group she wants to go with yet. Yeah, I mean, she's still definitely playing both sides here. But, I mean, I think we know she doesn't like Ben. Like, that wasn't new information there. But she she is still playing along. And she's still, you know, basically, I'm sure she was given an assignment to find out information. Find out if any of the women were pregnant or you know so she she's still doing her quote-unquote job for the others even though yeah i mean i think emotionally she does want to be away from them but you know she still doesn't know how to achieve that i don't think so i think she's still having to play along you know with what they're demanding of her so she she's in a rough spot but it does you know it I don't know. That last scene was kind of a a hard one to see. Yeah, when I first watched this, I think, um, and I think a lot of people, we know that she hates Ben. We know that she has good reason to dislike him. But I still thought she was trying to screw over all of our uh, our losties, you know, giving away this pregnancy information, getting samples from from other people too. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like such a slime ball. She's going to, you know, try to double cross them and then double cross Ben. And, and, um, but no, I mean, she genuinely is kind of, you know, on her, uh, on her own, you know, but, uh, she's looking out for herself, but she does ultimately look out for, um, you know, the losties as well. So, and she, uh, and son ultimately sees, uh, the baby. So good job, son. That came out well. So the the kind of cool part about this episode, um, you know, I think let's just talk about maybe the um, the actual uh, what the heck is it called? Uh, I'm just totally on a brain totally blank. The date of conception. <laughs> the date of conception. No, the um, the test that they do. Ultrasound. Okay. Wow. I, I yeah. Ultrasound. Word, ultrasound. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, the ultrasound. You know, it's a very emotional scene. It's it's really cool to see this moment um, with these with these characters. And you know, I can't help but think about Lost. <clears throat> Watching this episode makes me think about a lot of other episodes. We already talked about how the flashbacks connect, but watching this definitely makes me think about season six, um, 
which you know you should already have seen that right spoiler <laughs> uh hopefully when when doing the ultrasound is is that isn't that the way that sun and Jin um will like wake up right they see the baby and then they start speaking in fluent english um yeah yeah so yeah. it's a good moment <clears throat> even though Jin's not here for this moment but um so i think about that moment and it's just i mean it's cool how it all comes together yeah well, if we start talking about season six, I don't want to get rolling on the, you know, one of my biggest complaints of the whole show is that Jen never got to actually meet his daughter and chose not to, but that's a whole nother. Ooh. He met it, her in the afterlife. <laughs> uh, or did they ever have them at really all, or was the whole show <laughs> they were in purgatory? Just saying. Well, we'll get to that. Well, I I think what we need to do is when we get to season six, we need to, right before we preview it, we need to go through and find a list like all the different theories people's had of the entire show and discuss those theories and if if they had valid points to them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, okay, so, yeah. One other thing before I lose this this thought, I was going to, I think the most significant part of this episode is the urgency that this storyline builds. So you have all this stuff about pregnancy and um, fertility and all these like things that we've, that have been referenced in the story. Juliet, he had stuff with Claire and, um, you know, Ethan. And it's actually all led to giving us, you know, a ticking time bomb here, which is son is going to die if she's not off the island in two months. Which is a good story to have because it definitely, um, you know, as this in the next couple episodes, we get a lot more urgency with the the radio phone and Naomi and trying to get off the island. But this story specifically for Sun and Jin as, you know, a couple, but also part of the the lost crew is like, all right, we got to get Sun off this island or she's dead. And so that definitely gives us some momentum in season four i think it's an important storyline and this is kind of the beginning of that and again going back to the flashbacks in a way this does a good job of of tying that all together by giving us the satisfying moment of son being happy that the child is is jins which is i think you know a good payoff to um the son and jin storyline um, so far, ultimately, it may not be satisfying to Stephen <laughs> by the end of season <laughs> six, but at this point, it's 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 nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it it definitely does definitely does ramp up the uh, the urgency. So I think that yeah, hadn't really thought about that, but that does add another layer to the uh, the end of this season and the next. Okay. Yeah. You know, we're going to get, you know, the whole split uh, on, the, on the freighter and all that other <laughs> good Sun and Jin stuff. Um, yeah, this is another question I had, a little off topic here, of, but from this, the ultrasound scene, which I, you know, I thought it was cool, the whole, 
you know, Jen had been unable to, you know, he was yeah, infertile or whatever um, the doctor said. And then Juliet points out that that's not the case, uh, you know, that that's probably not the case on the island. But it did get me to thinking just about the the science of that, I guess. Um, we talked about the increased sperm count that it's, what'd you say, five times more than normal. And, you know, we've learned some other stuff about the island, how, you know, the island makes you, makes women's bodies treat a pregnancy as an invader. And it, it obviously helps people heal faster. We get a little bit of that in the other story in this episode yep. as well. You know, we see Rose's cancer, Locke being able to walk. But I'm just trying to figure out how, what about the island makes sense that it would increase the sperm count of men? Is it just make people healthier? Because the the whole magnetism thing, like, I just don't know how any of that makes sense with the increased sperm count. I, I think there's some... I think there is some definitely some science involved as far as magnetism goes, but I on as far as on the island. But I think there's there's just a lot of mysticism on the island because and we'll get into that obviously when we get into season four a little bit more, into season five, we're gonna learn a lot more of the mysticism of the island. And um and I I think it's kind of a combination to be honest. I actually uh, think it has nothing to do with the island it's just the diet they're all you know they're fish fruit <laughs> uh you know mangoes bananas it's just a healthier it's diet the, it's it's in the water dharma, ran- dharma ranch there that's that's <laughs> it's right there it's, it's dharma ranch that's causing all this and really old oh. beer <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know i mean it's just i think life it's interesting life seems to prosper on the island yeah. and <clears throat> You know, people heal faster. The sperm count being five times higher, that's kind of crazy. I'm thinking, like, how is not every, every everybody getting pregnant, you know? Like, it's, uh, um, odds go quite a bit up there, and it's, everybody's it's pretty pregnant. messed up. <laughs> everybody's getting pregnant. You just, you just look at somebody, boom, pregnant. <laughs> that, that, Dharma, that Dharma birth control must be really potent stuff. Well, I mean, she said nine people died in in three years. I mean, that's um, it's not like there's a ton of others. It seems like I mean, maybe maybe there's a decent amount, but <clears throat> it seems like a decent amount of pregnancies for three years. Nine. Um, I don't hmm. know. Well, speaking of gin and uh, potentially a nice phone. That they're going to find. Uh, let's talk about Naomi's landing site. Kind of our last storyline here. Um, we tensions are getting high over there. It it got it got crazy for a while, man. Um, I, you know, I only had one note on here because I like I like coming in after I know Stephen watches the episode because Stephen puts just about every note or thought that I was going to say <laughs> on his notes, so I don't have to rewrite it. But the only thought I would I had on there is. Because, of course, Hurley would be the one to set the flare gun off. <laughs> <laughs> because, I just, of course he would. <laughs> that was that was, scene was so funny, though. I mean, it's just classic it's classic Hurley. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No one knows yeah. we're here. 
<laughs> it's great. Hurley doesn't say much in this episode, but uh, that was that was a good moment. It's good. Well, what wh- what about the storyline do we need to talk about? Because a, a couple things are happening. Number one, we know that they find a phone, a sat phone, and Hurley tries to make bunches of calls multiple times on the phone. Hello, hello, hello. Um, and I'll say, even, even as it was kind of a big part of this episode, I don't think that I knew, I, I really thought that this phone would be as big of a, you know, storyline in the rest you know the rest of the season as it ended up being it this phone had a lot of significance yeah yeah it had a lot of because because it's going to be like the whole basis for the thing with with jack making the trek to, to to call to call to get off the island so um yeah it um so we, we yeah the, the I Hurley's like, do you know how this works? Can you show me how this works, please? <laughs> That's what so, they get for not inviting Saeed along on their little on their little camping trip. They should have brought Saeed. Well, he was. Um, yeah, what the inhab- what, what has Saeed been up to? He's just <laughs> he's been inhabited by the man of Black, doing doing something. He must have been filming oh, okay. something else for a couple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I heard your comment in the background, Corey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Naomi, you know, she's got a branch in her lung. That's never good. <clears throat> and they're arguing about what to do in regards to Jack. Which, what's interesting is they're going to end up hiding her from Jack. But at this point, they were willing to either run and get Jack or bring her back there. And, <clears throat> you know, luckily, you think maybe Rousseau might step you know wander up to them it's kind of like her territory but no mikhail is just you know chilling after being killed uh (laughs) supposedly killed a few episodes ago and we get uh (laughs) it's just so funny seeing him kind (laughs) of wander in there when you when you first watched this episode did you expect it to be mikhail Sorry, when I first watched it, or yeah, when you when you when you first watched it, when you started to hear it, we started to hear you know the rustling. Oh, Did you? I even forgot this in this episode. I thought I when I was watching it uh, today, I thought it was going to be so, and I was like, oh yeah, it's Mikhail. Was, <laughs> well, know, well, 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 everybody thought he was dead because of what happened at the fence line. Like nobody thought, oh, he's going to be back. Yeah, true, true, definitely. So and so, it's just like another cool mystery. Like, what is going on with this guy? He's a good actor. He's he's kind of a fun character. You definitely can't trust him. Um, you know, he was a Soviet uh, soldier, um, and uh, he's gonna you know do some war uh, <laughs> wound healing here. Um, and um, I do, do like the back and forth with Charlie and him because Charlie's like, let's just kill this guy. He's like, how? <laughs> How about I stab your other eye? <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie, um, and here's the thing: Charlie, Charlie seems to be pretty, pretty right on this whole thing because Mikhail steals the steals the phone, runs away. Jen has to, you know, straight up go all WWE on the guy to <laughs> it catches him and knocks him down. Well, I love the fact that they keep. Charlie's character consistent in that he remembers what the others did to him. He 
they kidnap Claire. They strung him up by the tree. He never forgets that he killed, you know, he killed Ethan in retaliation. And I love that they, you know, Charlie is the one here saying, this is a mistake. You know, we can't keep letting these people go. And then obviously, yeah, he turns out to be very correct. Um, as, uh, that Kyle helps lead to his demise later this season. Obviously the little smirk that Mikhail gives him at the end is a little foreboding knowing what we know. Yeah. And well, it's, it's sad because yeah, he does kill Charlie, but, um, it's, it's an interesting debate with, uh, I understand where Charlie's coming from, but I also think it's true to Desmond's character. Character and I get where he's coming from, but I don't want to. Desmond doesn't really know as much about this, you know, conflict with the others ongoing. Like I'm not just going to kill this guy in cold blood. Like, I'm not a murderer, and I I get it that they, you know, part of me thinks like, come on, guys, you guys could you know tie him up and take him back or whatever. Um, and maybe they should have just killed him. I mean, the guy is not you know some great person. But I do get what what Desmond is saying that, yeah, you guys have these issues with these people. But and ultimately, the others kind of end up being portrayed as a kind of more of a gray um, group. They're not necessarily good or bad. They can't be categorized that way. Mikhail could probably be categorized as a bad, bad dude. But (laughs) um, yeah, it's it's tough because it. Desmond, on the one hand, is trying so hard to save Charlie. Um, and then, uh, on the other hand, like saving Mikhail is going to lead to, oh, really, both of them dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just... Darn it, Charlie, you just have to have a tender heart, don't you? No! <laughs> oh. Well, Desmond... what the... Also, did did we ever find out how Mikhail survived the uh, sonic fence in- incident. Like he was foaming at the mouth. Like he was pretty obviously dead. Like, did we ever learn? I don't remember learning any more about that. Do, do you guys remember? Was there anything? I don't think we ever did. I think we just, he just did. <laughs> I, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see if there's any, I think it's just one of those things where it was just kind of a mysterious, weird, lost yeah. lost isn't that he kept surviving these near-death experiences except for the last one he didn't survive that one <laughs> no. no here's another mikhail question i had so we know that hurley set off the flare gun at the beginning you know and the mikhail comes running out of the jungle like he accidentally stumbled across it do we think this was an accident or do we think he was going there because of he saw the flare. I think he saw the flare. I think I think maybe in his mind, there's nobody else that would have a flare but my people, because they just they, they wouldn't. Why would the lost people have? Why would the losties have a flare? So I think he was going because he saw the flare, and then of course he stumbled upon the group. And and had to make a quick alteration to his plans of what he was going to do. <laughs> yeah, I think he was pulling, doing pulling branches out of people. 
I think he was doing something over in that part of the island because this is pretty far from you know other territory. This is this is this is more like I was saying. This is closer to like um, Rousseau territory because remember this is where this is close to where Saeed went in season one. You know because he follows the the wire um, cable to to go find where he ends up um, <clears throat> getting captured by Rousseau. So, I mean, we know he's going to go down to the looking glass, which is, you know, that's where that cable goes. So it's, he's pretty, cl- he's over in that area. I don't know what the heck he's up to. Kyle's kind of like a little bit of a lone ranger. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. he, he does Ben's bidding, but he kind of like, seems like he's like off wandering on his own right now. And then he's going to hit up Ben. Hey buddy, yeah. I'm ready. My next order. So, <clears throat> yeah. But I All think right. you know, isn't he's going to go? I think from here he's going to go back and report to Ben. Um, in the next episode or two, so he's going to trek all the way back, uh, and then well, back the same area. I think it's in two episodes. <sighs> um. You know what this show could have used? A little map at the beginning. Kind of Game of Thrones style that kind of shows you where <laughs> on the island these people are to kind of keep track of how you know how close or it, far away they are from things. It would be great, but that would also would have been such a pain in the butt for the writers, too, to have to <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm abide sorry. by it. <clears throat> I mean, look at Game of Thrones. People got so mad at it. It should have taken them... 10 more episodes to travel that far. Uh, <laughs> I don't we have them wandering longer. Yeah, but uh, that's funny. But no, uh, I actually, there's a lot of fan maps out there, and I have uh, meticulously uh, uh, gone over them <laughs> many times. <laughs> and so I kind of have like a mental map in my head, actually, based yeah, on some I'm, of those. Let's see. I'm, 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 looking at the, I'm looking at a fan map right now. I think that um, the crash, the beach, for the where um, the survivors of the uh, eight one five live, it's kind of uh, south. Um, yeah, it's west. on the south end of the, la- of the of the island. And then they kind of put the others more on the north side. Yeah, and then, uh, uh, Rousseau. This area is a little more east. Um, at least that's how I imagine it, <laughs> based <laughs> on the map and stuff. <clears throat> Me too. But I, I wanted to ask about Naomi because. You know, this didn't really pop up in our unanswered questions section or anything. So maybe it's explainable. Well, what's with her, like, just going into all these different languages? Is that just because she speaks a lot of languages? And mm. and she's in distress and dying, and so she's kind of just... Or, I mean, I was trying to think, oh, is this a little bit of the, you know, weird effects that the freight people (coughs) had in season four because of the, um, you know, um, time, the weird, you know, you know what happens to a couple of the characters where they, the brains get all bogged up from whatever time. Maybe the loss of blood. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's not really ever answered. She's just, yeah, she's, yeah, I I I thought that was weird too. 
yeah, in her backstory, we we know that uh, she is <clears throat> definitely kind of like this world traveler knows all this. I don't know. She she feels like she could be in a Bond movie too. You know, she knows every language and she's a spy. Or Oh. Well, I mean, it it is surprising at the end when she just starts talk, speaking English to Hurley, and it's like she she obviously needed help, and all these people were clearly speaking English. So if you need help, you you would have thought she would have spoken English to them to to try to help them help her. But yeah, I I definitely had the same question you did. I I didn't think about the whole you know brain stuff that happened. To the freighter folk, so that that certainly is an interesting uh, possibility. Yeah, uh, great when Hurley's on the phone. He says, "Mom," <laughs> and that's what <laughs> snaps her out of it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I don't think there's a whole lot else as far as what I was going to say. Uh, I think you already mentioned it. Great tackle by Jen to go with the phone. He was smart to to check that. But obviously the big uh, reveal of the episode, other than the sun stuff, was, I mean, even bigger, definitely bigger than that, is this whole um, (laughs) idea that their plane has been recovered and everybody is dead. So (laughs) this is what brings the theory around that they were dead all along somehow. Yeah, the I mean, the lost the writers are just having a t- the time of their life here because it is such a good way to kind of bring that story to reality but it also is going to end up being a really interesting twist that we'll continue to you know learn more about get more layers to what the heck this means and <clears throat> it's really going to lead into this um widmore charles widmore um kind of villainous season in season four where you learn a lot about him and how far he would go um, to, to, to get back to the island and take, right. take over. So, so in, in the end, Mikhail helps, um, helps him save, save um, um, Naomi and, uh, he, Dad Desmond lets him go. Yeah. So what, you, what about that? <laughs> what did y'all think about that one? Well, I was just saying, I understand. I, I understand what wh- why Desmond did it, but from the kind of bird's eye view, knowing every all these interactions between these characters, you go, come on, like just have Jen tie him up. You guys carry um, Naomi and uh, bring him back, but I get why Desmond just said, "You know, screw it! Like this woman is dying here. We don't need another problem. What we need to do is save her so that we can try to get off this island." And of course, Desmond's being a little selfish in that he's like, "Hey, I know that my picture is on uh, my face is on this picture." And so is uh, my ex-girlfriend, and I want to figure out how to, <laughs> you know, get back together with her. So forget your battle with the others. <laughs> That's right. All right. And it almost else, works. You know? it, 
yeah. Anything else before we kind of move into our rating system? No, I just yeah, just to to say again on the yeah, I love when Lost ends with a uh, with a good twist. You know, they hit that crazy musical note. You go WTF, and if you're watching late in the middle of the night, you shake your head because you're like, "Dang it! I have to watch another one now." <laughs> it's so. Lost is one of those better shows that at moments it's great to binge and at other moments you really don't want to binge it. And um just uh, it's great either way. They they did they just they did such a good job of those just exploding your your brain endings to episodes that you know they did it better than probably any show I've seen where they just leave you just totally shocked at the end. And yeah, this was one of the best, honestly, this was way up there with, to me with like the Dave episode of Hurley, where at the end it's like, is this whole thing just in Hurley's head? So, you know, they took all these, the, the fan theories that were floating out there and they would give you the actual fan theory as an ending to an episode, but it's just like a random episode in the middle of the season. It's not a season finale or anything. And I just thought they did such a good job with that. Yeah. I mean, part of it is just playing with the fans, playing with the expectations, but it certainly led to a lot of, you know, discussion and theories and all the stuff that, you know, made this show great. And really kind of took fandom on the internet in a whole different direction. No. All right. Let's let's rate it. Steven, what did you pick for your rating? Was it was it was it branches in the guts? <laughs> <laughs> so many options. I, I, let's let's rate it from one to twenty-three accidental flare gun blasts. All right. All right, Mike. How many uh, flare guns would you give this one? Uh, I want to give it eighteen out of twenty-three uh, accidental flare gun blast. Mainly because um, it's not it was a bad episode. It just was. Um, it was a pretty. It moved the storylines along in a, in, in a unique way, but it wasn't like explosively like, oh my goodness, I got to give this a straight perfect score, twenty-three out of twenty-three kind of episode. So. 18 out of 23 is still an A. may not be an A-plus or an A-minus, but it's an A. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't, don't tell my middle school teacher that. <laughs> All right. Corey, how about you? Yeah, I just um, – a solid episode. I gave this one 19 out of 23 accidental flare gun blasts. You know. <clears throat> It's not going to blow anybody away. Probably not anybody's favorite episode, but solid performance uh, performance by Sunjin Kim. And I like the flashback <clears throat> and a great ending. So, yeah, yeah. a good twist. All right. Well, about you? I, I would say of all the episodes we've podcasted about, this was the episode that had the biggest you know, variants of what I thought I was going to think of it and what I actually oh. thought of it. I feel like maybe the, the end of season three and the beginning of season four, maybe like a blind spot for me where I've probably maybe watched these episodes less than some of the other seasons. 
But man, I, I don't remember liking this episode near as much as I did this time. I mean, I would I would have guessed I would have been, you know, maybe about a 15 or 16, but I'm actually giving this one a 22 out of 23 Ooh. flare gun blast. I, and I'm not going to lie, a big part of it's got to be Mr. Kwan, Jen's dad. <laughs> he, he does it for me. I don't know what it is. He's my, you know, he's my favorite character. I love the guy. So I got to, got to raise it at least a point because of that. And the, the ending and just the, the situation that got explained in this episode of how, kind of how son was really responsible for Jen becoming the person that he was, it's just kind of such a twist of fate decisions, all kinds of stuff. It just, Lost did a really good job of putting those kind of situations out there. And it had Mr. Kwan. So 22 out of 23 flare gun blasts. All right. Nice. Yeah, I'd say this is the type of episode where you're rewarded as a fan who's been watching and re-watching. This, this is a nod. And, and Lost does this all throughout the series. Yes. But it's definitely... It's such. It's very cool when they look at their viewers and go, "Hey, I know you've watched that episode ten times. Now you understand." Um, and it's uh, people appreciate that. So they're you know they're not babied through everything. They get to pick up on things. And uh, I've always thought this episode would be better remembered if it weren't for the title. Now that's just my own thought. Like DOC, there's just something about it that just makes it sound like a very boring episode. You're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I, mean, I know what it I means. Mean, they could have titled it "Branches." Um, <laughs> <laughs> why not? Who's Who's the baby data? Like, that <laughs> That's funny. Oh, memorable. But well, as far as the ending discussion goes, this is this is a first for us. There is no unanswered questions. There is no. Uh, new Sawyer's name dictionaries, and there is zero pop culture connections in this entire episode. So, very, very. I don't get how there's none. That's crazy. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I, I, I hunted all over for it. I went on Lostpedia. I went on IMDb. There is, there is no just you know pop culture connection to this thing. So, I mean, it is what it is. So, with that being said, we're coming to an interesting episode, Corey, aren't we? Yeah, I was going to say the only thing that I would have found, like, if there was some trivia, I kind of wanted to know more about, like, the, <clears throat> um, I said this at the beginning before we recorded, the kind of, like, idea of, like, shame. And I mean, that's not a pop culture reference, but, like, you know, <clears throat> in the South Korean culture, like, why a little bit more about <clears throat> this type of um, feeling um, and, you know, maybe this is is not a Korean thing. Maybe it's just more like, you know, we're talking about a wealthy uh, crime family and a, and a poor, like, but, but uh, I was, it was interested. I thought there would be some sort of uh, reference to that, but no, but uh, anyways, yes. Um, next episode, very, very unique episode, actually. Um, mm -hmm. It's supposedly lock centric, but I would say it's, almost also Sawyer centric. Um, but yes, it is the brig. Hmm. Not a non-traditional flashbacks is what kind of what we were referencing at the beginning. This is, um, 
more akin to something like other 48 days where it's just taking us through a period of time. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, that has been previously on Lost. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to next time here in a couple weeks where we talk about the brig. So join us, listen, spread the word, support us. And until next time, take care, stay safe, be easy, and um, go eat a donut. <laughs> it is Fat Tuesday. It is, today, it is Fat Tuesday. That's funny. Oh, bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Have a good one.